Good morning, afternoon or evening everybody and welcome to Pangolin, the conservation podcast. I'm your host Jack Baker and welcome to the show dedicated to amplifying the interesting, amazing, incredible, wonderful, fantastical, show-stopping, amazing, fantastic conservation stories that inspire me and I hope will inspire you too. On today's show, we are continuing our exploration of the land of the lemurs with Hervé Randriamadi. He was on the last episode of the show talking about his work to do with human health and mental health and coral reefs and wildlife hunting. And it was a really great discussion. And I think if you haven't listened to it yet, you should go back and listen to that. Um, but if you're listening to today's episode, what you're going to hear is all about community conservation and government collaboration. So bringing in local people and also the people at the top of the, the chain to kind of work together to make the kind of environment the healthiest, happiest, most thriving place it can be. So yeah, a really interesting and kind of insightful take from Harvey that I really hope you all enjoy. I will kind of sign off for now, but before I do, I would like to say that next week we are going to be exploring the botanical side of conservation in Madagascar, looking at baobabs and tree nurseries with, if you remember, Jesse, Harry and Diamondra from a few weeks ago, they'll be back. And we'll also be joined by Seheno Andrian Saralaza, who is going to talk about baobabs. So yeah, really interesting stuff coming up. You should also subscribe to us on your podcast streaming service of choice so you don't miss out on that. And also uh, follow us on social media as well. Um, we're at Pangolin Podcast. Oh, a fairly important detail. If you don't know where to go, uh, you might not be able to find us. So we're at Pangolin Podcast. Anyway, uh, thank you all so, so much for, for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoy learning more about Hervé's work with Meharry and community conservation and the government and yeah, just all sorts of stuff. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. And of course, thank you for joining us as we explore the land of the lemurs. Thank you. <laughs> I, I wondered if you could just to help contextualize it a little bit more for for people what the the kind of government policy is around wildlife hunting in in Madagascar yeah if you could help kind of contextualize that for people and what the the situation is on, on that front specifically on the place where I work there are like a policy that protect for instance Makira Natural Park and uh, Masrala Natural Park and they have that policy called community based forest management where the governments will allow some communities to manage some forest outside the boundaries of the Makira Natural Park. So that's, it will help the government to really manage this forest because the government don't really have enough resource, you know, to protect uh, some of those uh, forests. But the big, I mean, like the, the huge part, the Mashwala Natural Park, is managed by Wildlife Conservation Society. So they have um, an agreement with the government to manage the Makira Natural Park. So there are like two policies where the Makira Natural Park is managed by WCS, but also on the border zone of the Makira Natural Park, the government also like have a contract 
with local communities to implement those community-based forest management, where in those communities help to protect those forests. So these are like a type of environmental policy, at least implemented in the northeastern part of Madagascar. And from our research, we found that uh, the implementation of this community-based forest management has an impact on uh, the decrease of wildlife consumption on lemur, on tenrecs, and everything. So that means that environmental policies such as community forest-based management really work in the, those area. So mm -hmm. these are like a type of policy implemented in the place where I work. Interesting. Thanks. Thank you so much for that, because that's really interesting and I think very important, because I guess Yes, it helps people form a connection with the environment and helps them kind of want to protect it. If it's put in their hands, they're not going to want to hunt the wildlife necessarily as much because they will fall in love with it, I suppose, because they'll have this this responsibility. It's, it's a very clever way of, of helping to protect, but also, yes, kind of getting the community involved is, is really, really interesting. I guess, yes, that um, yes, it then makes sense. There's the issues with um, people... Ha ha it, yeah, it must be quite a conundrum, I guess, for people to who have to. But yeah, it must make it very, very difficult for people when they are forced to rely on something, but they also have to protect it. It's it's such an interesting dynamic. It's it must be hard to deal with. Mm. Uh, I think also I forget to mention about one of our big projects with the government. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the project called Climate Smart Health. Mm -hmm. uh, so. On that project, we try to we want to support the Malagasy government to have a platform where all of the data, for instance, climate data, uh, disease data, uh, agricultural data are combined. So the government could anticipate in advance, for instance, at this specific time, there could be, for instance, malnutrition, uh, the disease of the people in this area will be known in advance. So we use like um, intelligent intelligence, artificial intelligence to combine all of this data and to create a platform for to help the government to you know like to really anticipate uh, what for instance what could be the next um, disease that will occur in a specific month. Uh, that is linked to the climate change, like uh, agricultural production. So that's one of the projects we plan to implement with the Ministry of Public Health in Madagascar. So mm -hmm. it's called Climate Smart Health. Again, we have to create that platform where we try to combine or cover all the data, weather data, climate change data, agricultural data, uh, disease data all of all across Madagascar. So even we could like have a specific intervention on a specific place based on all of those uh, data. So all intervention could be customized, but not so generalized. But just okay, you go to the south and you see how is that place and how is the weather at this specific season of the year. How is the food security there? And we try to, you know, to have that intersection of all of these aspects 
to in order to pro to support the governments to take action. So that's one of our big projects with the Malagasy government. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting, and it's it's good that I guess it links together really nicely with the what you were talking about before. Because if they don't have enough resources to devote to environmental conservation and this aspect, it makes it's it's good that you're working with them to kind of help prepare them and help predict because hopefully if they can predict what the issues are going to be they will they'll be then better able to to tackle it even though they don't necessarily have the budget to tackle it if or they wouldn't have had the budget to tackle it if it had been kind of thrown on them unexpectedly it, it makes it's a really good uh, a good way of thinking about it and trying to predict it it makes perfect sense it's a really interesting way of doing it uh, yeah Perfect. Well, I think that kind of, yes, and I think that kind of brings us nicely to er the end of everything. Um, but that's that's perfect. And I just want to thank you again for your time because it's it's been really, really interesting. And we've talked about so many different things that I think the listeners will, will really enjoy. So thank you so, so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much too, Jack, for perfect. giving me the opportunity to participate in your podcast. So I'm looking forward to listen to it. Thank you.